And welcome back to the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. You can always text the Hammerhead hotline at 765-447-4080. All right, we're going to pop on over here to our Hammerhead hotline. You know them, you love them. It's BrianGoldandBlack.com, who, uh, uh, oh, by the way, always lucky to have on the program. And then uh, spent uh, a weekend up the uh, draft combine, the NBA combine, watching uh, guys like uh, Travion and stuff. Brian, how are you, bud? Good. Uh, I should clarify. I actually spent about six hours at the draft combine, not the whole weekend. So okay. All right. Well, yeah, what I saw just... what I needed to see, but didn't want to oversell it. Okay. You, I know you got to get over to shed aquarium and stuff like that. You got to go find, you know, a slice of. I get it. Six hours. That's fine. We're good. We're good. Um, <laughs> the the general buzz that I think Purdue fans have taken out of this here is it seems like Trey did an awful lot to raise his stock at this thing. That that seemed to be the general buzz. Is that the vibe you got as well? Being there. Yeah, I don't want to make it sound like he moved from off the radar into the first round or anything like that, but I think he legitimized himself as a, a draftable guy. I think he's somebody who's going to get drafted. Um, you know, I, I think it's not going to come easy for him. You know, the, the style of player he is, you know, comes with certain limitations that, you know, don't necessarily jibe with the NBA level uh, in a lot of ways, but I think he... Uh, looked like a player who's maybe a little bit more mobile than he showed at Purdue, uh, given the role he played. I think he's always had a skill level to him that you saw in doses at Purdue, but maybe is something that he can expand upon a little bit more at the professional level. He did a good job handling the ball in the open floor. He did a good job passing. Um, I didn't see him make any jump shots, uh, but I know he did, and I know he worked out relatively well in that regard. He did well on some of the testing uh, relative to his body type. Uh, he came in at you know 265 pounds or whatever it is. He looks leaner than he ever has before. He looked quicker and more agile than I've ever seen him, and that sort of stuff is positive, but it was also like non-negotiable for him. It's not like he could show up and be slow and be unathletic and still expect to have a chance here. He needed to make, you know, some real physical uh, strides or, or whatever. And uh, it looks like like he did that, came into the combine in really good shape, showed off some of what he can do. Uh, people know what his strengths as a player are, but I think he had to show a little bit, you know, beyond that because the NBA is about finding different ways to be valuable. And I don't think anybody's, going to be drafting Travion Williams saying, hey, let's throw the ball to him 20 times a game in the low post, or let's you know, run our whole offense through him, things like that. Rebounding typically translates, uh, and that's always going to be his defining strength, but you know, in terms of him being like an offensive centerpiece uh, like he was in college, that's not going to be his reality in the NBA. He's going to have to be like a role guy, a complimentary guy. The more different things you can do to be productive, the better your chances are. Somebody that will be an offensive centerpiece uh, for somebody you would think one day, Jaden Ivey. Um, what was the buzz around him from the weekend, and uh, where do you have him? I, I, everybody wants locally. I know wants him to be an Indiana Pacer. I, I think that's. I, I think they're just a pick or two too far down uh, uh, the, the draft order to be able to get him. Uh, what was his uh, weekend like, and, and what do you think, and where is he going to end up at? Well, he didn't really test. He didn't play. A lot of the guys who were pretty surefire early first-round picks can really only hurt themselves at the combine, so they don't play. They don't really measure. They don't really 
pick up a basketball. What they're there to do is they're there to talk to teams. They're, they're there to do interviews. And I obviously can't speak to how he did in that regard, but, uh, you know, his stock is still seems pretty, pretty consistent with where it's been all along. He's, you know, probably the top guard in this draft. Uh, he's that, you know, best player available after the uh, trio there at the top of Javari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Bancaro. Uh, wouldn't shock me if Oklahoma City at number two, with all the picks they have, including a second lottery pick, where they could address their front court. I, I think they're going to take Chet Holmgren if he's there. I think they would take Javari Smith if he's there. But I wouldn't completely rule it out that they think long and hard about taking a really high-end guard there and then coming back to the front court later. Uh, but I think the first re- more realistic slot for him is at number four where the Sacramento Kings landed uh, in the lottery. Uh, I think Sacramento is, you know, Sacramento. And uh, I-, I think that they're not always the most uh, – I should say they're kind of one of the more directionless franchises. And I think if it were up to me, and this is me saying this, this is not Jaden Ivey saying this, this is not Jaden Ivey's camp saying this, but I would, I would hope to get past number four and land at, in Detroit at number five. I just think Detroit makes so much sense. Being close to where he grew up, being close to his mom, be, being that dynamic athlete who would fit very logically next to Kate Cunningham on what is a good young core uh, being built up in Detroit. The Pacers at number six, I don't think he'll fall that far. Uh, a lot can change before June 23rd, but I, I don't know if, I don't know where he would fit in terms of guys they would jump out of their chair to draft. You've got Tyrese Halliburton, who's a foundational player for years to come for them. Mm-hmm. I still can't believe Sacramento traded him. Um, you've got Malcolm Brogdon, who either you have as an all-star caliber player, or you you, you turn into a bunch of assets, which presumably would, would address your backcourt. You've got Chris Duarte, who was a second-team all-rookie all team pick this past year. I don't know what uh, the Pacers would want to do with that pick, uh, but obviously Jaden Ivey would be, if, if he falls to six and the whole best player available mantra comes into play, that would certainly make sense. We're talking with uh, Brian Newbert here on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline. who had some time uh, to take in the uh, NBA uh, scouting combine. Of course, a couple of Purdue players in there, a couple other Big Ten players in there as well. Uh, one guy, and I know you don't uh, probably didn't have a ton of uh, interaction with whatsoever uh, up there, but you know Trace Jackson Davis, I know, went up there and then you know, made the call and came back. I, uh, I, I know he's dipped his toe in that water a couple of times. Obviously, that's huge for IU for him to come back, but... Um, he didn't even make it into the five on fives, right? Like he couldn't, didn't he have like a COVID issue or something? He couldn't even per- really participate in a lot of that stuff, right? Yeah, he uh, he tested positive for COVID, and I don't know if he even got there. I mean, he I think he got there, had to leave, but he wasn't there the day I was there. Uh, I'm sure they got him out that got got him out of there pretty quick. He was coming back anyway. Uh, you know, I think he uh, he's one of those guys who can make more money, uh, in college basketball next year than he probably could have on the fringes of professional basketball, wherever he might've ended up. Um, I think that, uh, that was something that explicitly kept him in college. Um, but I don't think there was any suspense about him coming back or not. He'd been, I think he'd been kind of hitting around it and stuff. And 
So I, I don't think he really had much of a decision to make there. I think he went up to the combine for the experience. Uh, didn't get that experience because of the because of the because of the virus, and uh, wound up coming back like he was always gonna. All right, I want to ask you the number one question I get asked out everywhere now is when is when is Purdue going to get a point guard? Oh, we, we know we, we talked about this before about um, you know the portal and, and Purdue has been bringing some guys in and stuff that doesn't seem like there's been any news on that front lately. Uh, what have you been hearing and, and when could we possibly hear about something? Well, they're still waiting on Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State. We'd have to think here in the next week. He makes a decision. I think that's Purdue, Tennessee, and Texas uh, for him. And then beyond that, there's a couple guys who are still in the NBA draft, but also in the transfer portal that Purdue and the other schools who are going to be involved with these guys, um, they have to wait for them to pull out of the draft before they really start to focus on recruiting. So I think there's a little bit more of a convoluted process here than has normally been the case, and that's simply a product of the fact that Purdue is recruiting pretty high-end guys. Um, so I would think here in the next couple weeks, uh, June 1st is the deadline for guys to get out of the draft. Um, but they can come out at any time. So uh, I think here in the next couple weeks, you know, Purdue will uh, Purdue will get back at that. Um, it could all go away if, if, if they're able to get Tyrese Hunter, too. It, that, that, would, that would end it. Um, but I think they'll probably... Uh, likely have somebody in place here within the next couple weeks, assuming they're able to get somebody, which I think they have to get somebody. So, um, but I suppose the 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 worst case scenario exists where you bring a couple guys for visits, nobody wants to come, and uh, you know all of a sudden you're you're kind of left holding the bag, and then they have to figure it out. But they're going to get somebody, I'm quite certain. Brian Newbert, GoldenBlack.com again uh, does great great stuff over there, and we got a. Um, this nice what, high school uh, signing period. We should be getting a lot of uh, football uh, class signing news here soon, right? I mean, we're we're getting into that window. That's the next thing to expect, right? Yeah, they're starting up. Uh, they start official visits back up in June. That first weekend in June, the third to the fifth, I believe it is, uh, will be a really big weekend for Purdue. And then every weekend uh, in June thereafter, uh, there will be official visits. There'll be camps. And I would imagine Purdue will get a bunch of commitments in June. But at, at the same time, you know, nowadays you're you're also leaving a lot of scholarship space available for transfers after the season. So I, I don't I don't think it's going to be one of those deals like Jeff Brown's first year where they got like 17 commitments in June or whatever it was. I think it's you probably take six to eight guys and then you go into the season with a couple of scholarships to play with, uh, waiting on some higher end guys, and then that's kind of your class, and then you. You have your six to eight scholarships sitting open when the season ends, and then you're able to go get the transfers that can help you win sooner than most high school guys can. And uh, I think that's kind of recruiting nowadays. Tell you what, you make sure you get that subscription, goldenblack.com. they got good free content, but Brian does a great job of tracking all this stuff. Tom's been cranking out some really great articles, especially with football, too. He's on the program tomorrow to talk about that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's it's great. I love reading it. It's uh, how I start out the day every day. Brian, it's always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Really, really great stuff. I'm glad you were able to take that uh, combine in and uh, share all that with us. Uh, we'll have you back on again soon. Thanks so much, man. No problem, Jared. Thanks for having me. All right, take care, Brian. All right, See we're going to take a break. And uh, wouldn't you know it, the SEC is at it again uh, with a potential game changer to the college football landscape. I'll tell you what they're twiddling their thumbs about here and throwing out into the ethers. 
Could it possibly happen? And how would the Big Ten have to respond? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe we're going to get into this. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017.